A vision without execution is just a dream. Welcome to Transformative Experts with Chris Elias. Like the show title says, Chris speaks with transformative experts and business leaders who share their successes, failures, and leadership tips that will help you transform your business into a success story. Now, here's your host, Chris Elias. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Transformative Experts. Today, I have with me Evan Sohn. Evan is the CEO of Recruiter.com, um, an expert in, in what's going on in the employment world, if, if nothing else, and, and um, how to find great people. Uh, Evan, welcome to the show this morning. Hey, Chris. Thanks so much for having me on your show. You know, so... You know, I'd love to spend a lot of time, obviously, talking about what's going on, you know, and and, and the topic of people is so, so big in, in companies right now. But as our listeners know, you know, this show is really about you and transformation and, and you know, how you've helped others. And it always starts with your particular story. You've had a, a great string of success. Nobody becomes a CEO of a company like Recruiter.com just out of the blue, Um and so what I'd love you to do is to share your story with our, uh, with our listeners this morning. Uh, sure. Thanks so much, Chris. Um, so you can't tell what I look like, uh, but I'm uh, not a young guy, uh, 54 years old. Uh, my story is I started my first company uh, in 1989, uh, right out of NYU Business School in mobile computing. So uh, mobile in the 90s does not look anything like you see now. Um, and that's what we did in the 90s in a variety of different industries and segments. Uh, it was a lot of fun, worked with some great great people, great companies. Uh, grew that company over a decade and we got acquired by Dun & Bradstreet. Um, stayed there for a while, got pulled up by a venture capital company into the security industry, spent some time in the security space, eventually with a company that got acquired by uh, what became Symantec. Uh, went back into mobile uh, shortly thereafter with a company that was acquired in the payment space by Verifone. So I spent about a decade in the payment space. Um, and then uh, most recently, I was with a company on Silicon Valley uh, doing a smart terminal payment space. That company got bought by GoDaddy about a year and a half ago. Um, and uh, I, I love technology, love platforms really as an operator. And a little over three and a half years ago, I got introduced by one of the primary shareholders of what is now Recruiter.com uh, to, gee, we've got this asset called Recruiter.com. Uh, what can we do with it? And Recruit.com uh, was a uh, an online media company, so a digital online media company. So we think of a destination site for all things recruiting related. So salary information, three articles a day, uh, monthly magazine, uh, digital magazine, uh, four, uh, 3.5 million social media touch points, 48,000 Twitter followers, really huge uh, in that regard. And it made money selling ads to this overall network itself. And my theory was, and uh, with along with the founders of the company is, hey, instead of the audience being the, uh, the customer, let's make the audience the product and let's make this audience of recruiters, uh, a, an expert network of recruiters and really capitalizing on their experience to really address what is a giant, huge industry, which is talent acquisition. And that was the original premise. Um, and we've been growing, you know, really rapidly ever since, uh, just to give you some numbers, we did about $2 million, you know, before I joined, um, about 5 million in 2019, uh, about a little over 8 million in 2020. We did $20 million in revenue in 21, over $20 million in 21. Uh, and we're on a, you know, trajectory for over $30 million this year uh, with a full on demand platform of both recruiters. So think of us as like Uber for talent acquisition mm -hmm. uh, and then software that helps companies uh, and uh, find talent better, stronger, faster. A little long-winded of a story, but that's how I got here. No, long-winded is just fine. You know, it, it, it's, it's a great story of, of several successes, you know, starting with the very, very first startup. Obviously, you're a growth guy, and acquisitions don't happen unless, you know, there's growth and success in organizations. And as you look back, you know, through all these acquisitions, what were some of the things that you think that drove the, the greatest success? How did, you, how did you get your first company, for instance, to that point where somebody wanted to buy it? Uh, yeah, phenomenal, phenomenal question, Chris. Uh, um, let's double click into that. So, uh, and I'm going to give you the lessons that I really learned really in Silicon Valley. I spent about three years there 
And uh, there's so much to learn there. And, and I've just had this great experience in these, you know, 30 some odd years of, of really meeting great people and really learning from everybody. Um, you know, the key was really creating leverage. You know, you built a great pro we built a great company in the nineties. Uh, and you know, what's the catalyst why someone want to buy it? Well, someone wants to buy it when you're looking to sell it and you find someone that wants to sell it. Uh, so my theory has always been in all of these things is, you know, you got to get someone to step into the, the hot bath first. And once one person joins the bath, you're going to get other people involved in the bath as well. Um, and I, I've really just been able to do that a, a few times. Uh, and again, really surrounding myself with, uh, with really great people. You know, so the, this concept, I mean, you're in a people business now, but you learned long time ago that, that great people, you know, in your organization is important, right? I mean, you know, we don't, we don't execute without them. Yeah. The most important asset of any company is its people. Yeah. The, the most important. And it's funny how, how many companies I think almost see people as a cost. I mean, I, I watch a oh, labor cost, you know, we, we have all these, all these terms that do there. They don't think necessarily in terms of the investment that they're making and the, and, and how to leverage the people to move forward. It just, in, in a lot of cases, seems like a means to an end. How do you address that? Uh, yeah, I, I agree. You know, where the, the language has to change. Note that we call it talent, right? It's talent acquisition. It's not fill the seat, right? Right. Let's go get a butt in the seat. Uh, it's not. It's about talent. It's about how do we ensure that we have a steady flow of talent into into coming into our company? You know, how do we do those things? Um, look, I, I, I think that more than ever, people are companies are recognizing the value of their people and you realize it because they're leaving faster. <laughs> they're leaving at a, a much faster rate than they were ever leaving before. Um, and, you know, let's start at the end. Uh, it used to be that if I hired Chris, uh, I'm done. I don't have to think about Chris for another six months to a year, right? Chris will be for a year. We're done. We're lock and loaded. And next year I'll wait for Chris to come ask for a promotion and then I'll address Chris, right? And if I'm a more seasoned company, okay, we have formal reviews once a quarter, all these other things. Um, and certainly the sophisticated companies know how to do this far, far better than the less sophisticated companies. But, you know, as a small business owner, just because Chris, just because I hired Chris today, doesn't mean I'm guaranteed that Chris is going to be here a year from today. And so I need to start thinking the way the bigger companies think. What's the progression? Uh, how do I ensure that I am creating a great environment for Chris? Money just doesn't do it anymore. Oh, I'll just pay Chris more money and that'll be enough. It just doesn't do it anymore. So I, I think there's this recognition. And the best way to think about it is these are these are not new things. These are these have always existed. They've just existed at much larger companies, and now they have to cascade down to smaller companies. You know, we talk about remote work, and oh, it's new, remote, and hybrid, and all this other stuff. But you know, take your big consulting firms; they've been working with remote environments forever, right? You know, you didn't want to have people right. in your office, right? Uh, anyone that was, you know, and I come from a sales background. You know, I, I would yell at salespeople if I saw them too often in the office, right? You don't belong here. Go out in the field, be with your customers, et cetera. So I, I think that w these are not really very new. They're just new to you or they're new to, you know, they're new and new, a new size of places coming. Well, you know, it's, it's funny that you say it because, you know, I look at the organizations that some of them even the larger sites. So, I mean, we work typically with middle market, larger organizations and, you know, COVID forced remote work on organizations that quite frankly should have gone to remote work many, many years ago for a lot of good reasons. You know, I, one, one in which is expands your ability to, to hire, right? I mean, if, if, if you're only hiring people who are in your area, then you're limited. Yet, how many roles have to be done by somebody that's in your office? Think about how many how many functions were quote unquote outsourced to Asia and other places. Well, why not outsource to North Dakota, where there's a lot of call centers, or to, to to certain other places, and save yourself, you know, in some cases, money. Um, you know, if if you're a California-based company, your your cost of of employment is very very high. Why not utilize some people in other places? And I, I never really kind of got that, except that there was this belief that everybody had to be in one place or we couldn't be successful. And, and yet, like you said, there were a lot of people that were not in the office all the time. It was just kind of almost like fooling themselves in a way. 
Um, yeah, you know, I, I had a job years ago, a company that acquired mine, and um, I used to go out to Atlanta all the time. And, uh, you know, I remember the CEO who passed away a number of years ago said to me, you know, I need you here, right? You got to move to Atlanta. You, otherwise, you're not going to progress because I need to be able to open up my door and say, hey, Evan, come on in here. And like, that was a recognition, you know, think about all the jobs that you didn't even look at because they were geographically undesirable. Mm-hmm. So we passed over talent because it was geographically undesirable. And as opposed to, I found the best person, but again, I, I, I think what we've really seen here is just the opportunities for companies to redefine themselves is just, it's just fascinating to watch. Yeah. Right. You know, notice I don't flaw that CEO for his statement. I, I really don't. That was his culture. His culture was, I want to be able to open up my door and say, Evan, come on in here and let's sit down. I don't want to have scheduled zoom meetings three times a week with you to figure out what I need to do. I want to have that ad hoc, Evan, let's go grab coffee. Cause I have a problem I want to go solve. And I struggle with that daily. Mm-hmm. I, I struggle with that interaction on a daily basis. Uh, we're 70 people in the company. We're spread across the U.S. And I struggle with it, right? Because I'm from that cloth of, hey, come on in the office. Let's go order in a pizza and we'll go solve our problems, you know, for the next two hours. And you can't sit on a Zoom for two hours. You just, no. you just can't do that. So you need structure. You need process. But there are companies that have been doing that forever. And we just need to, you know, every company needs to sort of figure out what's the ideal way to do those things. Yeah, no question. And, and and let's not forget that the technology to support remote is much different today than it was when, when let's call it, you and I were both getting started because, you know, you know, right. I, I entered the workforce, you know, maybe a little bit before you, but, um, you know, same kind of thing. I mean, back then, you know, when, when you started your first company, there was no video conferencing. Heck, the, <laughs> the internet was just a thought yeah. at that moment. Yeah, that's right. Even, that's right. It wasn't even for real. So I think we, that's we right. built certain habits. I look at like my kids today and they can thrive in a virtual environment um and maybe too much maybe too much right and Uh and but is that a judgment on our part or is it just a change Uh, no i i agree it's it's just a change the fact that we don't communicate you know we can get frustrated because they just pick up the phone and you'll be able to resolve your problem quickly well that's not how it works right you know uh um but i'll tell you something i I, they're pre-covid I saw this great uh, interview and they were interviewing um, a Hollywood agent mm-hmm. or Hollywood executive. And the Hollywood agent said, you know, we're talking about communication and texting and emails. And they said, do you think Tom Cruise signs a $30 million, you know, movie deal via text? Of course not. Right. He sits down and it shakes the person's hands, et cetera. And like that, this just doesn't happen. You know, and I used to tell my team, you know, your goal of email was to get, was to get a meeting. Yeah. Right. Let's sit down in person. And we all have stories. If you're, you know, close to our age of getting on a plane, Hey, Chris, I'm going to be in your area. Let's sit down. Let's shake hands. We broke bread. Let's get the deal done, et cetera. And, and look, COVID has said, gee, we, we don't need to do that, but it, how much more better is it if we actually get together and shake hands or fist pump or whatever we're doing these days uh, to get something done? So, uh, yeah, I, I think these are all new ways. They're all additional ways of, of moving information around. Information is moving around much faster. But you said it, you know, I just want to go back to something you said before. And I, I totally agree with you. I, I think that, you know, uh, one of the predictions that we made at the end of 21 in, in December was, this notion of work from anywhere, which is what the world's kind of living in now was going to morph into hire from anywhere. Right. So if I don't see Chris, so let's assume that our office was in Florida, right? Tampa, Florida. And we were coming into the office and we're all there. Fantastic. And all of a sudden COVID came and Chris says, Hey, look, I, I moved. I actually moved to our, you know, I, I, I don't, sorry, I don't want to come in the office anymore. I'm going to come in once a week. Right. Well, Sooner or later, I'm going to say, you know what? I don't really need to pay Chris. I can go hire someone in Arkansas for 20% less money than I'm paying Chris to get the same job done. So I certainly believe that today we're in a candidate-centric world. Right. Uh, it is the candidate's market. Companies are terrified that, you know, you and I are going to leave. They're terrified, right? They're, they're, and they should Absolutely. be, right? Yeah. Uh you know, it's May 5th and the report came out yesterday, 4.5 million people quit in March. 
4.5 million. Now, you mentioned before the great resignation, you know, we actually refer to it as the greater resignation, right? Because what most people don't know is that in March, 2019, let's go back, let's go back three years, mm-hmm. 3.5 million people quit in March of 2019. Right. It's not like zero people quit in March of 2019, 3.5 people quit in March of 19. So, you know, a million more people quit this March than they did three years ago. Again, tremendous number, right? That's a tremendous, tremendous number, but it's not, oh my God, no one quit three years ago and now 4.5 million quit people quit today. Um, and by the way, the hiring rates are also up. So yeah. 4. Uh, 4.5 million people quit, but 4.23, like there's some, it's very, very close. It's a very, very close number of actually how many people were, were indeed hired. So it's a, uh, you know, they're keeping pace. Yeah. It's actually quite fascinating. It, it right? is. So, so to, to watch those numbers actually happen, but yeah, go ahead. Well, so, I mean, it, it just shows that, that people aren't just quitting to retire, right? Well, we talked about the great resignation, but they're really, they're quitting to maybe improve their lives, get a better job, et cetera. But we are up on our first break. So um, we're going to take, a, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes with Evan Sohn. In business, many leaders have a great vision, but find their companies are lacking adequate execution. Transformative Experts with host Chris Elias takes you behind the scenes with real-life business leaders and transformative experts who can pinpoint why. Listen to learn how company culture drives execution to optimize results. How can you afford to miss it? Tune in live every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And catch our weekly replay on the Voice America Influencers Channel, Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. This is Transformative Experts with Chris Elias. If you have a question or a comment about the show, please send an email to listener at transformativeexperts.com. Now, back to Transformative Experts. And we're back with Evan Sohn. Um, just before the break, Evan, we, you were sharing some statistics about you know the fact that, that I'm reading it as there's a lot of people that are in transition. Maybe there were a few people in March that... Um, you know, that, that left that weren't rehired quite yet. And those numbers might get picked up in April or, or something like that. There's always going to be people who retire, die, et cetera. But um, it really is an interesting trend. Um, And it's, it's speaking to people leaving and going somewhere else, right? You mentioned that it is a, it is a candidate driven market right now. I, I, by the way, I agree. I think that, that when things settle down, we probably have a recession coming. Um, That'll shift. I mean, you know, if you look at economic cycles, there's always there's always a back and forth on that. There are times when candidates are in control, times when companies are in control. Um, and as we move into a recession, I also believe that that when it comes time for a reduction, the people that are going to get reduced are the ones that are out of sight, out of mind. I think that that's that's a risk that's out there. Um, you know, so remote work, whereas it can have a lot of benefits, it can also be easier to let those people go in a reduction at some point in the future. Um, that's just my belief on it. Actually, I'd love to know what you think on that. Um, so I would probably say that, uh, so here's an interesting statistic for you. There were 6.7 million hires in March of 22 and 4.5 million quits. So it's, it's about, you know, they're, they're catching up. What, what I think's happening is, um, and we made this, I made this statement like two months ago, I think that, you know, companies, the more sophisticated financially sound companies are actually stocking up on employees. Like you and I were stocking up on Purell um, pre-COVID. You know, if I have, think about a a financial institution, well-financed institution, large company, you're the hiring, you are the the line manager. And you basically told your hiring manager, your talent acquisition coordinator, hey, look, I, I have 10 open roles I need to fill. And they said to you, look, if you have 10 open rows to fill, I can either fill the 10, knowing that three people are going to quit in the next three months, or let me go get 13 people. Right. So within four or five months, you'll have 10. And you'll say, yeah, go hire those, those folks. So you're seeing this wage inflation coming on there. And so I, I totally believe the first thing that's going to happen in a recession is, hey, don't hire 13 people, only hire 11. 
right? Don't, I can't, I don't want to, I can't afford overstocking up the, the supply chain of people, right? If, uh, if the recession's coming. Um, I also think that, you know, the more that certainly in the small companies, you know, if you came into the office today and said to your boss, look, I'm quitting unless you pay me another 30%. All right, I got no choice. I'll pay you 30%. Comes recession, I'm going to go, hmm, maybe, maybe you, maybe I should be looking outside. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing that's happening is this hire from anywhere phenomena that's really about to really take place in our, in our opinion is I'm looking outside, outside of the U S as well, right? If I can't find, so let, let, let's bring, let's paint the picture for a moment. COVID comes and Chris actually moved to Argentina. You have family in Argentina and you want to be with them during COVID. So you move down to Argentina and your company was fantastic. They let you work remotely in Argentina. You've been there for two years, et cetera. And you know what? kind of like it there, right? You're really liking it there. Your boss says, Hey, Chris, what's going on there? Well, I'll tell you something. There's great talent here. I'm working here. I really like it here. You don't care. I come up once a quarter to visit. Um, I'm going to open up an office here. And and by the way, Mr. Boss or Mrs. Boss, the, the talent here is 30% less expensive than in Tampa, Florida. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden now the company is like, gee, uh, I can't find the talents. I'm going to go to Argentina or, Oh, there's a recession. I need to save money. I'm also going to go to Argentina, you know, go back in time. And you look at the recession of 92, you know, the, the wage pressure in 92 because of the recession in 92 really uh, was the catalyst for outsourced call centers. Yeah. Right. You yeah. know, let's go save money. I have call centers. Let's go to, and, and there were some uh, geopolitical things with the Philippines and work zones and all this other stuff that were created. But what do you know? Let's go to the Philippines. Uh, 1998 Y2K. Oh, we're too, we're too busy. We're, we're building stuff. Who can actually upgrade COBOL systems? What do you know? Let's go outsource our IT. Have we taken that back? You know, We didn't take back call centers. We didn't take back outsourced IT. You know, so anytime there's these macro events that that affect the labor market, they they don't, you know, they're just moving things in that direction. So that's that's kind of what we're seeing here now. So, you know, I think that's all spot on. Um, When I think about going back to, you know, your original company evolving to today, and I think about why people are leaving companies. Well, first of all, one of the biggest one of the biggest struggles we're seeing in companies that we work with is communication. We hear communication, 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 and we're in an age where communication should be better than than ever. But with remote work, it's there. You mentioned before that that emails used to be to set up meetings, and I, and I've often said that the only thing emails are good for are setting up meetings and disseminating minutes. They're not good for conversations. Um, we've got texting today, all these other things. You know, everybody sees these tools as being great. I think that that an, an email or a text can be a cop out from you know confronting somebody else about something. How is that contributing to to culture, in your opinion, in in the long run? And how is that maybe affecting some of the the you know the the people who are quitting that feel like the culture isn't right for them, so they're jumping. Uh Excellent question. And, but let's, let's address the first problem first, and then we'll address the second problem second. So I I think that companies are defining what they want to be when they grow up in a, and I actually believe in a more, in a more distinctive fashion than they were doing five years ago. Uh, Five years ago, Chris wanted to work remotely. Evan wanted to be in person. So we had to do something for both people, right? Um, and you're seeing today companies say we are going to be doing X and we are going to be doing Y. And there's something very refreshing about it. You know, you have, you have JP Morgan that says thou shalt be in the office. And then you have Airbnb that says, go work from wherever you want. Now we could sit there and go, oh my God, I'm never going to work at JP Morgan Chase. Cause I, they, they want me in the office full time. I, I never want to be there or Hey, do I really want to work in an Airbnb where I'm not really going to build relationships? Uh, there were great statistics pre-COVID, right? What percentage of your social circles were friends that you made in the office? Um, one of our clients, he had a great line, global head of talent of a major financial institution. And he said, you know, part of the challenge is that my office doesn't change, right? If I'm working remotely, I don't change. The office doesn't change. My email changes. Mm-hmm. 
That's just so easy to do. So you think about all the companies that you and I might've stayed at longer because we liked the people, the commute was great, the coffee was great, their socializing were great, et cetera. But you know what? I I heard a podcast a couple months ago of a CEO who was an engineer and his comment was, look, I surrounded myself with engineers. We worked hard, got our jobs done and went home to our families. No beer events, no pizza parties, nothing. We were focused on getting the job done. So I I think the refreshing element here, Chris, is that the companies are now getting to define what they want to do. Look, if you want to, if you want to run a low cost operation relying on, you know, post high school, post college people, you're going to have to do it in person because training people who have no experience remotely is very, very complicated. So creating, so we started doing like, we started seeing companies do like, we were calling it local, right? You know, get local, like, but you're global and local, you know? So we actually had a client that was hiring a hundred people in a, a vicinity of a town, right? Everyone was working remotely, but I wanted them remote working remotely in a, let's call it, you know, 15 mile radius of where you live or 20 mile radius of where you live. Why? Well, this way I have, I have a guy in a van who could actually handle the IT. We, we can get together at a, the local Starbucks every couple of weeks. Like there was something very, very interesting about that, right? I'll let you work remotely in a vicinity area. And again, I think companies are going to be doing, you know, interesting things um, in order to really figure that out. And by the way, some people respond really, really well to communication. Some people don't. Some people want to be told, go get this done you know, and then I'll see you once a week. And, and I think the companies have this opportunity now to really figure that out. So that's the first part of your question. Yep. The second was really, why are people leaving? I, I think there's really two big reasons why people are leaving. So A, there's, you know, money and, and quality life. And let's leave that aside for a moment. That's why I left, mm-hmm. right? The, the, the changes that are happening of why people are leaving at a faster rate is that we've actually made it incredibly easy to find a job, right? Uh, you and I grew up in a world where you printed, you found really cool paper to put your resume on, right? We, we actually thought about the stock of the paper. We had to type up a cover letter and, you know, unique to each company and mail it. And if you sent out 20 resumes that way, you were considered crazy. Yeah. Right. I I can't believe you applied to 20 companies. Oh my God. That's amazing. That's incredible. Today, what's applying for a job? Click, 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 click. Right. We've made applying for a job, a one check click out, like buying, you know, like buying a t-shirt on Amazon. That's how fast you could apply to a job. So we've made it incredibly simple to apply for a job. What's interviewing today? Like you and I grew up in a world where interviewing, like the interviewing, you, you had to put on a, bring a suit to, to work. You had to lie to your boss and tell him you had to go to a funeral. Like there was a whole cloak and dagger system involved in that process. Forget about if you had to get on an airplane. What's interviewing today? A 15 minute video screen, yeah. piece of cake. Um, if I'm allowing you to work from anywhere, there's no geographic, there's no job that's geographically undesirable anymore. So I've made it so simple for you to find a job. So the expression, Chris, of finding a job as a full-time job would not be invented today. That would not be authored today. In fact, I would tell you that the expression should be finding people as a full-time job. So the only thing, the only thing that kept you at your job, right, is the stigma of leaving a job too soon. Mm -hmm. The only thing that's been removed the job hopper economy is here to stay. It was coming fast and furious from Silicon Valley and where a lot of things originate. So if you saw, if you saw a resume of, a, of, of someone who in 12 years worked at four companies in Silicon Valley, you would say that must be an awesome software engineer. That must be such a talented person. In fact, if the opposite is also true, if you saw a software engineer that was at one company for 12 years and it wasn't Facebook or, or Microsoft or Google, you would say, uh, wow, that person's probably stale. What's yeah. wrong with that What's person? Wrong with them? So that is now moved to the rest of the world, uh, certainly the rest of the US. In fact, you know, you and I had parents that said, suck it up. You got to stay there for at least three years, at least four years, your first job. Don't, you don't want to look like you left out. 
Millennials now, a statistic came out, 60% of no problem leaving a job within the first six months. I saw an article uh, about a month ago, Chris, that said 25% of the people in this survey, the millennials that they were serving, would rather quit their job to no job than work at a job they didn't like. Mm-hmm. Incredible. These are just incredible things. So why are people quitting jobs? Because they can. They can. And in a talent shortage, if I offered you another $10,000 to, to, by the way, if you're working remotely, who cares who you work for? You're working remotely. What's the difference? There's no commute. It's just too easy. We've made it so simple for people to leave and take new jobs. Yeah, I, I, I think that that's, that's absolutely true. And, you know, of course, you know, as somebody who kind of works on the other side of things with my clients, you know, labor, stable labor is so important and keeping people. I mean, let's face it, the cost of turnover is incredibly high. Now, I, I've seen some companies are starting to build that into their budget, which was never talked about. You know, if I go back 10, 20 years, people didn't think about that. They just, well, let's minimize it. Let's minimize it. And now some companies are saying, well, you know, it's, it's like what you said earlier. We're going to now hire 13 or 15 people to fi- you know, fill the 10 and know that we're going to have a certain amount of turnover. And in inflationary times like this, that, that turnover cost is so incredibly, incredibly high. You know, now we get into the other side of the coin. How do companies start coping with that? So we've got, um, we've only got really a minute left before we have to hit our, our next break, but I, I want to kind of move our conversation into that particular realm as to what are things that companies can do to maintain um, maintain their staff and and kind of reduce the turnover. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna have the mishires. You're gonna have some of those other things that occur. But what are what are some key things that can happen? So actually, let's go ahead and do this. Let's 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 take a break right now, and when we come back, we'll dive into that conversation. So stay tuned. We'll be back in just a minute. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand, twenty four seven. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. This is Transformative Experts with Chris Elias. If you have a question or a comment about the show, please send an email to listener at transformativeexperts.com. Now, back to Transformative Experts. And we're back one last time with Evan Sohn. So, um, Evan, just before the break, you know, I was kind of starting to pose the question on how do we how do we stabilize our workforce? How do we minimize turnover? What are things what are some of the things that companies need to be doing and should be doing all the way around to, you know, try to get those people that are going to stay longer? Uh, it's, it's a great question. And, and I think you are correct. Uh, what you said before, uh, we predicted at the end of 21, uh, again, our prediction was that the U.S. economy will spend over $50 billion more in 2022 on talent acquisition and retention than they did in 2019. And we're seeing it today. Uh, I have the numbers. I think the number so far in Q1 yeah, through March was like, $16 billion more spent. And that's assuming like the lowest level of hiring costs, et cetera. So you're, you're totally right. Um, you know, our recommendation to our clients really is uh, driven around the actual company itself. You know, for some companies, we're telling them, hey, you know what? Tell, the, tell your candidates that this is a 24-month project. Don't, don't think of this being, you know, a forever thing, right? This is not a forever decision. So we have a very high tech client, you know, and, and I said to them, tell, tell people, this is a 24 month assignment. Mm -hmm. I'm going to pay you a ridiculous amount of money for 24 months. I'm going to give you lots of bonuses to stay here for 24 months. And when the 24 month period is over, you can either stay and take another assignment or, or leave. 
And so looking at it as a cluster, I, I think was very important. We told another company that's a global company, their offices around the world, hey, look, give a junior year abroad. Hey, candidates, stay here for three years. And then in your fourth year, pick a country, go work in a country, go figure it out. Or not. don't work for us. Go work for one of our clients in a different country. Have relationships because no one, people are not going to want to have the same company on their resume for five years. They're just not going to want to do that. So figure out where, be more pro- proactive. And that's really the third, was really set up a, a, a progression plan for your team. You know, the big companies do this, Chris. You know, the big companies as an HR department and different folks in HR and all these things and they're looking at and they're, you know, they are probably, uh, uh, um, uh, they, they are probably compensated on attrition. Hey, we're keeping our voluntary attrition or involuntary attrition down to 2%. And, you know, that's how they're being measured. And they're creating incentive plans to keep people, et cetera. That's what the big companies are doing. And, and you know, for the listeners that are running smaller operations that don't have a head of HR, you know, HR and talent management is not just about healthcare benefits, right? It's just not, it's really about making sure that the, that the individuals are happy, that you're meeting their expectations, et cetera. So on a, on a very easy level, it's sitting down with your people and saying, here's where you are today. Here's where I want to see you next quarter, the following quarter. Here's where I want you to be in a year from now. Um, I need to make it very, very advantageous for you to not pick up the phone proverbial, of course, mm-hmm. and look for a job. You know, in the old days we had active candidates and passive candidates. Right. Do you really think that matters now? Do you really think that makes a difference today? So is everyone in the is everyone an active candidate? And it's just a matter of, gee, I'm stuck here. Why? Well, the next level, I'm three months away from my next progression. And, and I think we started talking, talking about this at the beginning of the segment, which was really, you know, I hired you and now I'm done. No, I hired you and now now the work starts. Yeah. How do I make sure that you're learning? Um, what skills do you want to have, et cetera? I think the final thing, you know, as a suggestion that I've been talking about, um, I haven't seen it happen yet, but I, I'm I'm very interested in it. Uh, just anecdotally with some other experiences I had is really going after what I call the 80% employee. Mm-hmm. So I think that COVID has really changed people's priorities a lot. Uh, compensation used to be the highest priority and now it's tied with like remote work and work-life balance and all these other elements in there. So, and I also think that in a connected world, we're feeling very burnt out, all these other things, because the expectation is that you're always on, you know, the expectation from your boss is that you get an email or a Slack message or a text and how come you didn't reply, right? It's just, and, and, and more importantly, we're turning off right? The expectation is that you're always on. Oh, and I'm going to turn off. I'm turning off. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to go offline, right? Notice I'm always on unless I'm turning off, not back in the old days, which is I'm in the office. I'm not in the office, right? We still call it out of office. What the hell is an out of office anymore? It's either I'm online or I'm not online. Right. You know, I, I used to joke around. I once went to Hong Kong for a meeting during the day. And like, that was the first time I had put like, I'm really not available. Like when else would you not really be available? So I think that the 80% employee basically says, look, I need someone with your skill set, Chris. You're incredibly talented. Uh, you have an amazing background, incredible experience. Uh, but look, I'm going to pay you 80% of, of the targeted higher salary, but I only want you to work four days a week. I only want 80% of your time. That means that you're going to make a lot of money, just 80% of a lot of money, but you want to work Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. You want to work Monday, Tuesday, half of Wednesday, half of Friday. I don't really care. But now the expectation is that you, you're you not working then. Um, and, and I think there's something very fascinating about being able to say to someone, hey, look, I only want, you're so valuable. I only want 80% of your time. Yeah. And I think you're going to be able to track, because look, there are bigger companies that won't allow that to happen. Right. The sophisticated company is not going to say, look, I want you, you're able to do that. So I think for the smaller companies, it's a way to be able to attract very highly skilled, highly talented people, highly motivated that want to have that built in balance. I don't want to work Friday afternoons ever. 
I never want to do it. So I don't want to have to convince you that, oh, by the way, pay me 100% of my salary and I'm just going to take off Friday afternoons. Screw that. I'm an 80% employee. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there's something interesting there about keeping people better by creating an environment that they cannot replicate someplace else. And that's, that's sort of the strategy there. It, it's a really, really interesting idea. It's, it's a different, it's a whole different spin on the concept of part-time, right? I mean, if, if you think about it, I mean, part-time started just because, well, you know, maybe I didn't have that much work and I just need somebody kind of part-time or whatever, but it's, it's a really positive way of, of looking at it and, and creating a whole different work class. I, I think it's a very, very interesting idea. Um, you know, it's, it's funny, I had this kind of um, visceral response when, when, when you made the comment about, you know, the, the average person doesn't want anything on their resume for more than five years now and things have changed. And, and, and the, what I felt at that moment, and then, then, I, then I started rethinking a little bit, but where are our future CEOs? Right. Where, where are those people going to come from? So do they come from people jumping jobs and at some point somebody is, you know, kind of good enough to, to then be hired? You know, this whole concept of hire from within was so important. And it's really just a very small elite group that move up in an organization anyway. And maybe that turnover is healthy in order to keep things fresh. It's just something that 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 that, that I'm, I'm I'm thinking through, and so, you know, given what you're seeing, where where do the future leaders like in a big corporation? A lot of them stay internal, uh, you know, you know, still yeah. to this day. But where where do the future leaders come from? Uh it's it's a it's a great question. Um, I don't know. You know, it's yeah. uh we we've we've become so short. You know, th- we've become so short term oriented. You know, who's thinking 10 years ahead right now? Um, the answer is JP Morgan is, mm-hmm. right? JP Morgan is saying, hey, look, I need to, in order to create the next leaders of our bank, they need to start by being in person because that's that's the operation that we run. Yeah. Um, I, I, I agree. I, I think that, you know, I'm fascinated by companies like, you know, Shopify that said we can hire from anywhere and Airbnb, we're never going back. Everyone could be remote as much as they want. I, I'm interested to see how progression works there. I, I, I really am. I, I think it's going to be very, very interesting to see, you know, how to, you know, running a, no one runs a two hour meeting on Zoom or maybe they do. I just don't sit through it. Um, I, I don't know how that operates. You know, we have a board meeting and it's 90 minutes long and I could see people are getting a little bit, you know, Zoom tired. Um, so I, I think it's going to be interesting to see, you know, the new levels of collaboration, how they actually happen, how they really move, et cetera. Look, we're, we're in a faster world and you're right. Email used to be disseminating information and scheduling a meeting. And now maybe it's collaboration, maybe it's work documents. And, uh, you know, you and I grew up talking to each other, but maybe this new generation sharing a document and moving information in and out and texting is enough or a WhatsApp group or a Slack channel. You know, it's not what you and I grew up with doing, uh, but maybe that's okay. Right. Yeah. You know, the first time that you heard of people, are you dating while well, we're texting each other right now? What? what? Like, yeah. what, what are you talking about? Like, oh, yeah, we're going to start off by like just texting and then we'll see how it evolves. Really? Like, that's crazy. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's, it's, it's a whole new world. And then, so, so in all of this, and there's even another category of people that I want to touch on, but, um, you know, my organization, so we went virtual 20 years ago. Why, why pay for office when we were at clients all, all together. And in doing so, the, the other shift that, that we kind of made is we moved from an employment organization to a contractor organization. You know, now, look, my, my situations, may, maybe it's unique, maybe it isn't. I mean, we do consulting and everybody in my group, our former CEOs, presidents, whatever, nobody wants to work for anybody. And so contractor agreements are a great way to go. But I'm seeing more and more use of independent contractors in clients, in bigger companies. You know, um, even in, in one case, we, we had somebody who, um, uh, they had somebody who wanted to move away. It was a position that kind of needed to be local, but there were some other things they could use the person for, didn't want to lose, and so created an independent contractor relationship with them and contracting them for maybe 20 hours a week. You know, So this is maybe back to the 80% employee, but you don't have all the costs and benefits and all these other things. What what movement do you see? Do you, you know, It seems like independent contractors have grown in the last few years. Do you think that that's going to level out? Do you think that's going to continue to grow? Is that an option for the young people of the future? Or do you think that's something that's going to start going the other direction over time? 
Uh, the answer is uh, it's an and both world that we're living in. Yeah. Right. You know, um, and I really believe that. I, I just think the day and age of where it's either this or this is over. You know, you and I, again, grew up in, you know, uh, beta versus Sony, Betamax versus CHS, you know, Showtime versus HBO, Microsoft versus Apple, you know, and, and right now it's really everybody, right? It's really everything. And I think you're going to see everything. Um, and I think that it's an exciting world that we're living in because we're giving all these opportunities to people. Um, what, you know, what an amazing thing. Hey, look, I took a year off to go do X and Y, you know, just fa fascinating. I heard a podcast, I think it was the CEO of Coinbase. It might've been someone else, but like, you know, he took a job as a bartender cause he was an introvert. Mm -hmm. So he's like, look, if I, if I become a bartender, I'm going to have to learn how to be an extrovert. And I think that we're shifting to the skills based society. It's no longer, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to do next? You know, what do you want to do next? You know, the first time that I saw someone, you know, on my, in my organization say, look, I want to take off weeks for paternity leave. I'm like, that's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. That That's amazing. What a great experience. You, we didn't do that. You know, you took off that day, right? Yeah. You know, you took off that day, maybe you took off the next morning and you know, you were, let's get back to work. Yeah. What a great experience. And so I, I, I love the fact that these priorities have just changed. It's, it's really exciting and it's an either or. And look, you're going to have the high achievers who want to, who want to be better than their parents, who want more than their parents have, who are going to work harder and keep two jobs and, you know, hustle and all these other things. You're, you're going to have that. And you're going to have the people who say, look, I, I want a better life. I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want to not see my children at night. I want dinner with the family. I want those things. And look, in this post-COVID world, that's what people are reminded of. You know, it's nice having dinner time with the family. Yeah. Um, and if that's the priority, well, then I'm going to put myself in an environment where, where I'm able to do that again. Yep. And again, I'm, I'm not poo-pooing, you know, the people that want to get on an airplane on Monday and come back on Thursday, I, because I think there are people that like that, that lifestyle. But the opportunity now is to say, you know what? I don't want that lifestyle. I don't have to have that lifestyle anymore. There are things that I could do that don't require me to do that. Um, look, I think there's one, and you know, we could probably close it out with this thing. You know, at the end of the day here, you know, you're talking about gigs and freelance and consulting. You know, there there have been three things in life that kept people in full-time jobs. Um, there were three benefits of a full-time job. They were healthcare benefits. Uh, 401k retirement plan and a W2 for mortgage. So what's happened in the last 20 years, 401ks became portable. So they, right. They came, they came with you. Healthcare is now universal healthcare. I think 16% of the population are on some sort of a, maybe higher than that. 40% were on some sort of government funded healthcare plan. Healthcare is now affordable for the individual. Uh, we actually have some really cool partners that do healthcare for freelancers and consultants. So healthcare is covered. The final element there is getting a mortgage as a consultant or a freelancer is ridiculously impossible. Mm -hmm. You know, you can make 20 times more than me as a consultant than I do as a W-2 employee, but because I have a W-2 form, it's easier for me to get a mortgage. That's going to have to change. Now, once that changes, and let's assume it's going to change in the next five years, why would anyone, what's the value of being at a company full-time? What do I right. need that W-2 for? Um, so I, I think there are various, again, government macroeconomic in, in changes that are occurring that are changing the world of work. Uh, and I think the, the, you know, the concluding thing for me really is, you know, I, I just blogged yesterday, you know, just cause we took our masks off, are things really going back to normal? The answer is it might look normal in the airport, but you know, they're still short staffed and there are people leaving and, and the talent world is different and the job economy is different and things are not going back to be the same, no matter how hard we want it to. No, I, I hear that. So I have, um, we've got one minute left and um, I, I guess I just wanted to ask you if there's one bit of advice that you would give to, um, to uh, let's call it a CEO or a business leader and a small business owner or anything like that could be listening to this podcast um, regarding, you know, optimizing their talent, you know, minimizing turnover, anything. What, what, what's your, your best bit of advice for these people? Um, Everyone is going to spend more money. Anyone of size will be spending more money 
in 2022 and beyond on talent acquisition and retention and uh, not just allocate budget for it, but really find someone that's going to help you do it. Uh, I'll use the example of accounting. You know, we could all do our own tax returns if we had the tools and we had the time, but we don't, uh, or many of us don't. We use professionals. We might not have full-time accountants doing it for us, but we outsource it to professionals that are extensions of our own family. They're extensions of our own businesses, et cetera. We treat them like they're part of the, the company. We have lawyers. We might not have in-house counsel. Well, we have lawyers. They're, we treat them as extensions of our companies. We confide in them. They help us navigate the things that they know best because they're experts in that space. And I would say that talent acquisition is about to come into its own. This is the dawn. This is the time for talent acquisition. Um, as everyone with a company of size really should be spending money, get yourself someone on talent acquisition who's going to help you do it. Uh, whether it's recruiter.com, whether it's anybody, a fractional person, not paying them uh, only on uh, headhunter fees. It's not just about, you know, finding that C-level executive. Um, so really just embracing that as a new industry, a new emerging industry. Excellent. Well, we are at the end of our time, Evan. So thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, thank you, Chris. Uh, thank you, Chris. And uh, lo- looking forward to catching up again in a couple of months and see how wrong or right we were. Yeah, I'd love, I'd love to, to make that connection with you. I, I love these conversations. Well, everyone, uh, so I've been speaking with Evan Sohn today, you know, CEO of Recruiter.com. Check out Recruiter.com, all things Recruiter. But, you know, I, I was looking at it and, and there's there's great stuff for everybody over there. So give them, give them a look. And um, we've got more great guests coming up in the upcoming weeks. So stay tuned and thank you for listening. Thank you for joining Chris Elias for this week's edition of Transformative Experts. We hope you'll tune in again next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And catch our weekly replay on the Voice America Influencers Channel, Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Have a good week.